Talk with Pat Steinberg on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, let's get this hour going. It is Friday, October 6th. This hour of Flames Talk underway from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon, wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, live right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome to the Eric Francis Hour, brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. Live thoroughbred racing is back every Saturday and Sunday at Century Downs Racetrack and Casino. Post times 1245. Visit thehorses.com. Must be 18 plus. Please play responsibly. Eric is in the house. To what do we owe this pleasure in person and everything? Hi, buddy. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm actually uh, I'm doing quite well. Uh, the first half of this hour, the first half of the Eric Francis hour, I think, is uh, going to be dedicated to Thursday's news uh, from City Hall when we got the two thumbs up, the signatures on paper, and the formalization of what we've all been... This has been like 15 years, it feels it like, really is. that we've yeah. been working literally, towards literally. this. And this is the biggest step that we've taken. Province, city, CSEC, Stampede have all agreed on the event center and the Rivers District down at Stampede Park or adjacent to Stampede Park. I thought Thursday was a really, really good day for the city of Calgary. Stay with us. Premier Danielle Smith will join us a little bit later on this hour. She was a huge part of Thursday's announcement. Uh, Mayor Gondek was on Friday morning with the uh, gents on the big show. Uh, I thought I thought Thursday was a pretty special day. It was It was cool to see all that news. And it wasn't bad news. Yeah, and you know, a cynic could say, well, we've been here before. I've been to that same press conference before where they announced everything's been signed and we're moving forward. But, you know, that was ill-fated. And boy, is there a much different era around this one. Think about how, uh, I think, fortunate we are as Calgarians that the Flames walked away from the last deal. And I know it hurt at the time and people were frustrated and mad at the city, mad at the Flames. Everybody was picking sides, but... That was a six hundred thousand or six hundred million dollar arena. The one now we're talking about is a one point two billion dollar project. And yeah, there's some inflation built in there. There's no question. But at the end of the day, it also comes with a whole lot more in terms of bells and whistles and fan experiences. Whether you have a ticket to a game or not, well, or a, a concert, community rink too. The community rink is big. You know, I, I, I'm a guy who lives in rinks with my son, and you know, we're just a hockey family. And I didn't realize we don't have a rink downtown. We, we don't have a community arena in downtown proper Calgary. Uh, we've got them peppered all over the city, but not yep. right in downtown. And so with the corral leaving, this was this replaces that. It's 1,000 seats. It'll be great for all sorts of different things. Like, I don't know if the max midget. I know it's not the max, and I know you're not allowed to say. Anyway, we know, what point you mean. Is, we know what you mean. That tournament could have its final. There, You could have all sorts of things there yeah. with 1,000 seats. But also, I thought it was very interesting what John Bean said is, that helps us. We've got an AHL team, a Hitman team, a Flames team. We've got Roughnecks. All these things, that arena will help us with scheduling so that we don't have to turn away concerts because we have to have practices or whatever it is for our other teams. Yeah. So that's an in integral part. The indoor plaza, the outdoor plaza, none of that was part of the previous arena deal. So history will show 
that the Flames walking away and the squabble between the city and the Flames back in 2021 will end up serving this city well. And the fact that two years later, less than two years later, not only are they back at the table and, and talking again, we had, what was it, early May when, so that's a year and a half, uh, a year and a half later, early May, we're moving forward in, in agreements and memorandums of understanding. And then a few months after that, we've got formalization of it. Like that to me is, is also a really big, that, that's a pretty quick turnaround from what looked like no chance to now here we are. And I, I just, I thought it was, and, and you're right. Like we were talking about in, in our city, in a really important part of our city, something that's just going to bring downtown that much more together. It'll be less disjointed. Yep. It'll be like, I think, I think we'll be talking in seven or eight years time, a 17th Avenue that just, keeps on going and it's not fragmented. There's that kind of dead zone from fourth street until McLeod trail. Mm-hmm. I don't think that'll exist in, in seven to 10 years. Cause I think a new district that links the East village to, to the rest of the, the Western side of 17th Avenue, like that's exciting to me. And, and to have condo buildings go up and they had 8,000, 8,000 people residences just like that, right in and around, you know, on saddle, basically, on the edge of the, uh, you know, Stampede Park. It's going to be, it's exactly what every city, world-class city needs, should have. Maybe not needs, but should have. And I always point to the situation in Nashville and how that entire city, it's the number one tourist destination in America right now. It's all because of the arena. People don't understand the whole history and story of that. I remember doing features on this years ago. That, that little strip in Nashville that's world famous right now all stems from the fact that they built an arena there and took a chance on a derelict part of town and it's transformed into this honky-tonk capital of the world, a huge uh, place for gatherings from all over the world. Uh, it, it's the number one place for uh, hen parties, they call them. Yes, the you bachelorette know? party. So anyway, I, I, it, it was an exciting day and I am looking forward to uh, talking to the Premier about you know her role in all this because... I think she's the white knight in all this. She's the one who got this across the finish line. If she doesn't step up with the $330 million from the province, we're not having this conversation right now, period. I, uh, I'm, whether it's late 2026, early 2027, I'm just, I'm excited as a, as a born and raised Calgarian, that'll be a brand new transit line will be done and running in 2027. That mixed with a brand new district with a crown jewel event center, it's good. I, I honestly believe, as a born and raised Calgarian, I honestly believe that like 2027 will be a transformed city. I think the Green Line mixed with the River City District and the Rivers District, rather, and a brand new event center, I think it's going to transform the city. So, yes, let's, uh, let's do it. Pat Steinberg, Eric Francis, the Eric Francis Hour for Horse Racing Alberta. And uh, let's welcome in uh, the Honorable Danielle Smith, the Premier of Alberta, joins us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline right now to talk about all of what we heard on Thursday. And that was a a big day for the city of Calgary and the province of Alberta. Premier Smith, appreciate the time. How are we doing today? Oh, fantastic. My pleasure. Nice to join you. Tell us about Thursday's news. Break it down for those of us who missed it. Tell us about who missed th- it. Pat. I'm just saying, maybe you missed it. Okay. And right from the premiere, tell us about Thursday's news. You mean maybe people were watching soccer instead yeah, of uh, I, watching? Exactly. <laughs> right. Well, I can tell you, I was pretty excited about it. And I, I talked to Eric before the election because they had come to a deal really, I think it was in late April, 
And I was just so pleased that the two sides came together to develop not only the event center, but also the, as you guys have been talking about, the entire district around it. To me, that was really important. When I, when I talked to the Oilers team about what it is that was so important about making their, uh, their district work, and, and that was what it was, is that it's not just the arena, it's also the community uh, uh, arena, it's the outdoor spaces, it's the JW Marriott the residential towers, the Stantec towers, using it as a catalyst to really complete the the Rivers District, I think it's going to be really amazing. Now, part of the agreement uh, is is the 35-year you know promise for the Calgary Flames to stay. And uh, I was interested to read my colleague Rick Bell's column today, and he said that he, he spoke to you, and you said that there was a genuine concern that potentially if this dealing, I mean, I guess ultimately if this, building doesn't come to fruition ultimately the team would have to leave i still feel like we were years away from that but you didn't necessarily feel that way there was a legitimate fear in your mind that this could be a deal breaker for this club well one of the things that i remember back when the oilers were trying to come to their agreement do you remember i think that uh the the case group flew down to seattle <laughs> yes yeah, they sure did. Seattle was very well staged away. yeah and I don't know, maybe he was just going down to to take in a game or enjoy the sights. But I think there was a lot of rumor at the time that he was going down for some serious talks about whether or not the team needed to move. And I just felt we, we can't get to that point. I'd just been reading too much about how other cities were just so keen to try to get a team that they were building arenas as, as a way to bid a team away. And at the same time, you had Gary Bettman being quite vocal and saying that the Saddle Dome was the worst arena in the entire league. And uh, you put those factors together and why risk it? I think what you really need to have is the same kind of deal that uh, that you just saw announced where they're committed to staying in the, in the city for 35 years. That gives certainty to everybody. And I'm, I'm glad that they were able to come to that agreement. Now, Danielle, you also said, you know, you sent Rick McIver, sent, uh, that sounds like an odd, like a henchman, go and fix these guys. But, you know, the $330 million promise, that that to me is what got this over the finish line. But it was also you dispatching Rick McIver and saying, listen, can you just go and, and try to bridge the gap here? Can you just explain the kind of role that you felt he played in all this? Well, I know that Rick knew everybody because he's one of our longest-serving members of of the public, um, of public service. I mean, he was at the city of Calgary, plus he's also been in provincial politics. He's been a municipal minister, and he he knows the the ownership group. And I just felt like there's probably no one better to try to bridge these two sides because he could see it from both perspectives. And so he started working to restart the conversation, saying that we're prepared to, to help. I'm glad that they came up with the arrangement the way they did, because if the issue was the uh, most for us, it's mostly a transportation project because there's a lot of work that needs to be done on reconstructing the roads and the underpass and making sure that the the um, uh, the, the LRT stations stop there. The, the community arena, it seems to me those are the kind of things that we do anyway. We do those kinds of projects in cities all the time. It's where our expertise is, and we, we let the, the team in the city come to, to an agreement on what the event center itself would be. But that, that additional catalyst, I think, was allowed for them to, to get to, to a, a level where everybody felt comfortable signing. So I was glad to see that they were able to do that. It took a lot of months to get to that point, mm-hmm. and we weren't even sure if they were, if they were going to. But ultimately, they, they did, and I think it's good for the city. Uh, Premier, can you, because I, I know 
ever since even going back to May when we first started going down this road and definitely uh, yesterday as well, there were a lot of questions from our listeners on our text line about, okay, well, what, what is going into this? What, like, where is the $330 million going to be allocated? What is it going to help? What is it going to be pointed towards? Can you, can you break that down for listeners as to where the provincial uh, contribution is going to be allocated and what it's going to help build? The, the biggest part is that there is an underpass that has to, to be built in the, uh, to, to have better access to the arena. And that is uh, going to be the, the bulk of the project. I think that's over $120 million for that particular re-engineering. We are also building the community rink or putting $30 million towards it. We'll also pay for the demolition of the Saddle Dome when it comes down to that sad day. I mean, I think everyone's going to be a little nostalgic seeing it go. It's going to keep on, it's going to keep on, yeah, (laughs) keep on uh, working until, until the new arena becomes available. And then there was also the, the land purchase that needed to be done so that we could work at an arrangement with the Calgary Stampede because they'll now take over that area, which allows for an expansion for them also. And uh, the, the, the engineering around the, around the stations as well, plus the public spaces. If you've been to, uh, I'm sure you guys have, to Rogers Place, they've got a couple of areas that are community gathering spots. And I think those are, are going to be, uh, if they're engineered properly with a lot of amenities around, I think that those are going to be really popular too. So those are all the things that, that, uh, that go into our part of the, of the cost. And we also have cost certainty as well. We want to be, we want to be supportive, but, we, but everybody agreed that if there are any cost overruns, then that'll be absorbed by the team and, and by the city. You know, I think it's interesting about Rogers. You bring, you bring it up. When you go into uh, Rogers, uh, wait, is it Rogers Place or Rogers, Rogers Arena? Place I always Rogers, get yeah. them mixed up. Anyway, you go to Rogers Place. And I was just there two nights ago in, uh, for the game. They have, when you're lining up to go in, in the main area, you're indoors. And I thought that was very interesting that John Bean pointed out yesterday in a place like Calgary where the climate is what it is. You want your people who are lining up to get in not to have to do that outside. And I think that a public gathering place inside is almost as important as it is to have it outside. And that was another piece of the, you know, puzzle here that I do think makes this so much sexier than the one that we were going to settle for Mm -hmm. uh, two or three years ago. I hope so. And I, I think one of the advantages that we have is Rogers Place was so well designed, uh, especially as well when you look at how they've designed it for concerts where all of the big trucks can pull right in so that there's a really easy way to offload and, and onboard it. And that'll be uh, part of what they, they do with this new design as well. And I think we can make sure that all of the best aspects of Rogers Place get built into to this arena. Maybe there'll be some improvements as well. I'm, what I'm excited about is I always felt like the Saddle Dome was in behind a wall of parking lots. And to be able to enjoy a beer before the game, you had to either go way down 17th Avenue or there was the, the one facility on site. I, I think that this is going to be a really vibrant district. And I'm, I'm, I'm quite excited to see how that ends up getting engineered too. I'm going to put you on the spot here a little bit. Uh, which Which team is going to win the Stanley Cup first in the new building. <laughs> <laughs> that, I'm going to leave that to the experts. Okay. I, I, you're so I, good at that stuff. Well I, done. Well done. I, 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 I was at a, I was at a, a Calgary Canucks 
fundraiser a few uh, a few nights ago, and I, I mentioned that I started off as an Oilers fan because our, our our family was an Oilers family when they were on their run of winning Stanley Cups, and then my brother cried when Gretzky got traded to the LA Kings, and that's when I had the freedom to be able to start cheering for the for the uh, uh, for the Flames. And then we won a cup uh, in '89, right? And so I've been able to to cheer for both teams. So I like the Battle of Alberta because my team always wins, no matter no matter who, no matter how it turns out. But I did notice you said we when you refer to the flames so we know where your your heart is that's okay that's all right we're uh very, very, i i think that you did a good job with that to be perfectly honest yeah, with you very on the spot diplomatic uh the uh premier of alberta danielle smith is with us i lisa last one for me and i just want to pick up on what you were talking about with roger's place and i've had i've had numerous set twos over the years when when we've been trying to get this arena over the finish line in this city uh, with with different people about well there's no you know there's studies that show that there's no monetary value to building an, an event center downtown it doesn't and and i i always push back and say i you can show me every study you want but i saw how edmonton's downtown was transformed i go there three four times a year and every time i'm there i'm like oh you know what downtown is that much better and that's a destination place to go in edmonton and now, very similar in this city. I think that's an area that needs to be revitalized. Can you just talk about, from your perspective, how not just the event center, but the entire Rivers District, what the, the hope is provincially in terms of what it can do for a city? I, I would say that Calgary's already really well advanced on building out that area. It, it was a bit reversed in Edmonton because Edmonton took a derelict area and revitalized it. Now everything else is gentrifying around it, which is amazing to see. In Calgary, they began by starting that gentrification with a library and you've got the National Music Centre mm-hmm. and you've got uh, already some, some condominium development. But this is going to be a vital final piece because when you think about all of the additional development that will happen around, if I understand it in Edmonton, the value of that property has already surged to $3.8 billion. So it's double the value, and it's going to continue to grow. And when you end up having that escalation in property value, it means all of those businesses are going to be being, paying more in property taxes. So that's a huge source of additional revenue for the city. And so I'm expecting that we'll see the same thing. And let's face it, we've had some, some really tough times post-COVID with um, our homeless population, people struggling with mental health and addiction. And we're seeing a lot of that in both Calgary and Edmonton. And so I think that this is also going to assist us with being able to, to help bring more people downtown, making sure that it's safer, creating that vibrancy. Um, we're, we have a, a parallel track where we're also helping to support those with mental health and addiction so that we can lead to that revitalization in both of our major cities. But having a, a reason to come downtown, having something to celebrate and enjoy on a, on a regular basis, I, I think that that is going to improve uh, uh, Calgary for sure. But then having that that competition uh, between the, the two cities, I think it's, it's going to be remarkable. Danielle, thank you. Thank you for what My you've pleasure. done, uh, not just for this interview, but for, thank you for what you've done. You stepped up and showed tremendous leadership, and I know that there are a lot of people who say this was all part of the election, and, and, and whatever the case is, you got the job done that Ken King has been fighting for for 15 years or the better part of 15 years before he passed away. We finally got it over the finish line. It's a momentous occasion in this city and in this province's history. And and I think you deserve a lot of the credit for that. So I guess on behalf of a lot of Calgarians, I say thank you because that new arena would not be just two or three years away if it wasn't for you. So thanks. 
Oh, I appreciate that. And I'm, uh, I'm thinking of Ken King, too, as well, because I, I know that he wanted to see this over the finish line. So I'm, I'm really pleased that we managed yeah. to get there. One thing maybe you guys can do, I'm lobbying everyone I possibly can. The very first game in that new arena has to be the Battle of Alberta. So I've already lobbied Gary Bettman. I've lobbied uh, John. Oh, yeah. If there's anyone else you need to talk to, That's that's got to be the opening yep. game, right? Yep. I absolutely think it has to be. There's no way you can open it any other way. That's a great idea. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Premier. Uh, Premier Danielle Smith joining us on the Eric Francis Hour. You know, the the, the thing that I uh, have maybe appreciated the most about all of the last, what, May to October, so the last three months, four months, whatever, I'm bad at math. But the thing that I've appreciated the most is that it's kind of one of those, it's kind of one of those things where there's um, there's a lot of different political ideologies that are that are thrown that, that are thrown around in this conversation and a lot of times we've seen people who support one side of this agreement don't support another side and yet everybody came to a table and there are some different uh ideologies in it. everybody came to a table yep. and got things done and because it had to get done it, it did and i but but it, sometimes, doesn't, always, sometimes, it doesn't always happen like no that, but though. sometimes in politics common sense prevails not always, but sometimes it does. And everybody at the table, and it was hard getting different parties to the table, but once you got everybody to the table, and yeah. again, I give Daniel Smith credit for, for asking Rick McCarver to step in and show up at the table, even though he wasn't invited, show up and see what you can do to help. Maybe you can't help, but I'd like to see if this resource from the province can help this foster this discussion that for whatever reason, for egos, that the story for years was that Nenshi and Ken King and the two massive egos that both of them had, uh, you know, just was never going to let this happen. And and, and maybe it, it took for them to butt heads for all those years for this to finally happen. It was all part of the process. But but and, and I'm sure I'm sure I don't I'm sure if you look at the fan feedback line, there's people just ripping quiet, into no, pretty quiet, actually. And, and oh, I good. think OK, I I do think look, I understand there are uh, there's opposition to taxpayer dollars going to this or that and and that's that's fine and i right. i sometimes i oppose like you know when the olympics conversation was happening in what 2018 was that when it was um sounds like 2018 yeah i i was at the time i was like uh i i ended up voting yes for for the olympics but i was like geez like is this the right allocate in this one, and this is just my opinion on this one, I've never once felt like it wouldn't just me personally, my tax dollars, I'm perfectly fine to it going to that brand. The, the, the library is gorgeous, and it's a cool thing in my city, and I'm happy to have had my tax dollars go to that. You'll never use it. I may not ever use it. You'll never use it, and I dare say, well, I'm not going to get into that. I th- That whole thing is a whole other discussion, but I, but I, I know what you're is, saying. Yeah. I was fine with that and i'm fine with the uh i don't know how often i'll use the green line i walk most places but you know what like 120,000 calgarians are going to use the green exactly. line and i'm happy that my tax dollars are going to that and you know what a brand new district uh, what what 8,000 plus new places to Residences, live yeah. um a place that will draw more tourism a place that will draw more events it's going to be better for our city. And I'm happy for my tax dollars to go That's to right. that as well. Even if you're not a sports fan, and I know the argument is, hey, you probably, you'll go to the Dome at some point, or the new arena, sorry, whatever we call it. Uh, 
you're going to go there for a concert. It could be a, a, a I don't know what it's going to be, but you're going to go there maybe just cheer outside during a playoff run. Or th- I promise you, you will go there. And just like I, I, some people say, I'll never go there. No, I'm going to sit here and tell you I'll never be in that library, but I bet one day I will be in that library. Mm-hmm. That, it's all part of a world being a world class city. I'm going to take you to that library. No, no, I'm yeah, okay. So <laughs> the other thing is, you know, these studies, these these professors throw out these studies every once in a while and say that there's actually no value mm-hmm. to the like there. There's nothing more ridiculous than these ridiculous studies that say that. As someone who just took my family to Vancouver to go see Coldplay, in and out, we went. We were back in less than 24 hours. I don't even want to tell you how much it cost, but we went and all that money went to the city of Vancouver and Coldplay and, and, and don't tell me, don't tell me these things don't do massive, massive things for your economy, but also for your city spirit. Just don't tell me that. Like I'll, I'll, I'll never, I won't even have that discussion with a human being. If they want to come to me and tell me that there's no merit to having a venue like this in your city, you're, you're just an egghead. You're wrong. Uh, Here's a text that will hearten you. Uh, not a Smith fan, but where credit is due, Province did a great job and showed great wisdom by or being involved in the infrastructure. There you go. That's, Thank you. That's, uh, that's again, and and that person may not be a support. Like, well, alluded to the fact they're not a supporter of Daniel Smith, and and at the end of the day, the right thing happened. I she find, made the right thing happen. It's very difficult to find uh, things that bring uh, differing sides together these days. That's another thing that I thought was really cool about all this is that there's a, a lot of different sides and different viewpoints that were all in that in that agreement, and they all got it done. And in the end, I think it's good for the city, and I'm pretty happy about that. So I was pretty proud. I, I was uh, I was beaming a lot of civic pride on Thursday. I, mm-hmm. I think it's going to be great for our city. I really do. And I think in the next 10 years, if, you, uh, if you're a Calgarian now and 10 years from now, I think it'll be a completely different city. I think it'll be – I really do – I think it'll be a transformed city, and I'm not. I'm usually not one for exaggeration, and that might sound a little hyperbolic, but I don't think it is. I think it will be a transformed city in in a decade's time. You put 1.2 billion dollars into one concentrated area; it's going to be transformative. There's no yep. question about it, and it's long overdue. And it's uh, there's just so many ridiculous spinoffs to it: jobs, uh, construction, infrastructure. You know, think about how hard it is to get to the dome right now especially with that underpass closed right now. It's just an absolute mess in and around the Saddle Dome at this point in time. They're going to they're gonna make that, they're going to streamline that to make it a whole lot easier to get into this great district. And as you know, I hate politics on this show, like despise it because I hate reading the text line of people think, well, that must mean that you're this. Or, I hate talking politics yeah, on this show. I don't like it either. But I do like that we're getting an arena. Uh, thank you to uh, Danielle Smith, the Premier of Alberta, for joining us on the Eric Francis Hour. She joined us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar Guest Hotline, 15-time Consumer's Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. For pickup or delivery, call 403-248-3344. Flamestock is on the air and streaming on the Sportsnet mobile app. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Calgary. This hour of Flames Talks, the Eric Francis Hour for Horse Racing Alberta. Live Thoroughbred Racing's back every Saturday and Sunday at Century Downs Racetrack and Casino. Post times 1245. Visit thehorses.com. Must be 18 plus. Please play responsibly. Uh, first half of this hour dedicated to the event center news from this week. And thank you to uh, Premier Danielle Smith for joining us this hour on Flames Talk as well. Now on the ice with the Flames. 
what we might see at the Scotiabank Saddledome, the current building, come Wednesday, October 11th for the home opener against the Winnipeg Jets. Because it sure does feel like, it's Eric Francis and Pat Steinberg, I don't know about you, um, it sure does feel like the opening day roster is set. Do you... uh, Turn Eric's mic on. Um, do you, uh, <laughs> just because instead of you talking into the abyss, thought yeah. I'd get the mic on. Um, I'm, I'm new. Do you, does it feel like it's pretty much set? Yeah, I mean, I guess they, you know, in your mind set, what does that mean? Who's the 13th forward? Hunt and Schwint. Or Hunt and Schwint. 12, and Schwint's there because they because they need a centerman. I think Klopka has had a better camp, and I think he deserves it a little more, but because he's not a centerman, I understand why you're talking about Schwint. And I, I, yeah, for sure that the, the, the lineup's been, it's been pretty clear, I think for the last three or four days, who the final candidates would be, you know, I, I was in Edmonton for that game and Emilio Pedersen to me was, was very good. I thought he stood, stood out, but that's the first time in the entire preseason that he stood out in a good way. Yep. Uh, so kind of too little too late. So I knew he'd be on waivers pretty quick and then down, you know, demoted down to the farm, uh, you know. I'll ask, I'm going to throw this at you and say, like, they said that jobs would be open for youngsters. The Flames have had injuries to Pelche and Rooney, who mm-hmm. were probably, you could have almost certainly penciled them both in for the fourth line opening night. That would have solved all debate. We wouldn't have anything to talk about today if those guys don't get hurt. But I really don't think anyone stood out amongst the kids. Like, I, and I guess I'm clouding it. Coronado has been phenomenal. The fact the fact that you don't even include him shows That's you how emphatic his well camp put. has been, right? Well put. Because we all penciled him in to start the season in a top six line, right? Or top nine anyway. And I think he he did nothing to prove us to disprove that theory. He is a top six player on this team all year long. And you know, I think moving forward. So the other guy the guy who I thought of all the youngsters who had the best camp by far if we're not going to include Coronado, he's Dewar, Walker Dewar. I he's great. Uh, I, I think yep. there's, you know, there's talk on, you know, maybe this guy's not a fourth liner, like maybe he's a third liner. Um, anyway, after that, you know, I think it was pretty clear Dryden Hunt was the best of the bunch, the also ran bunch, if you know what I mean, on that vacant left side where yep. Pelche was supposed to play. Um, and Schwint has not been impressive. I'm not if he gets the assignment opening night, and I don't think he will. But if he's the 13th forward on opening night, it's just because they ran out of bodies, in my opinion. I don't want to slam this kid, but I'm just saying, if you, if it's all about earning a job and proving you belong, I don't think he did that. Well, I don't think we're... T- and this is no knock on, on either Schwint or Hunt, but Kevin Rooney's probably your fourth-line center uh, if if he doesn't get hurt in practice. If he has a good camp, too, right? He was terrible last year. And well, deserved to play in the AHL, even though they he? were paying him one-way money. I don't, I don't know. If I, I thought he was. I, I think he got in Daryl Sutter's doghouse. Well, for sure that too. And but what I saw of him, mean, you know, it was a small sample size. I, I thought just he had a like, really good preseason last oh, year, no, though. I didn't. No. No, but anyway, he because he's also on a one-way deal. I mean, it was pretty obvious that they were going to give him another chance and another shot at redemption. And, it makes and more he's a center, sense yeah, in the NHL than the AHL. Okay, so Rooney gets hurt. Probably would have been one of your 13 forwards. Pelche yep. definitely would have been. Yeah. So there's, and there you are. And those guys then are both the, out long term. Then Hunt's the 13th guy. Klapka and Schwint and, and Zari are fighting for the first call-up yeah. gig. And, you know, I, I want to point out to people that I think, you know, there's 
I would think you would agree with me. Zari got demoted right after that game in Edmonton. I thought he had a pretty good game. The coach thought he had a pretty good game. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't because he's not as good as Schwint or Hunt. It's because they don't see him playing a bottom like a, a bottom line role. They think he's got too much upside offensively, and his style of game is not conducive to just mucking and grinding. They see him as potentially the first call-up if someone in the top nine gets injured. And I think that is a big part of it. I don't think they saw him best served as a number four center. Yeah. And they feel like maybe that they're not as worried about that with Schwint. Um, and I think, I think Zary is absolutely in the mix to be one of those first recalls. First call. Yeah. I don't, and I don't think it's certain, like, I don't think Klapka is going to stay on the roster. I think he'll no. go back to the, but that's not because he had a poor camp. It's because, Klapka is a 14th forward or Klapka is a top six right winger with the Wranglers. What's better for a young yep. player? Same thing with Solovyov. He's not going to be the eighth defenseman in the NHL. He's going to be a top pairing defenseman with the Wranglers. Same thing as Wolf. Really? It's ri- It's the same Don't scenario. tell Wes Gilbertson that. He'll, he'll push back and say it's... Wes and I are on different sides of the Dustin Wolf conversation. He doesn't think that that was a good move? He... His point is... That and and Wes, if you're listening, please uh, send me a middle finger emoji if I'm paraphrasing you wrong. But we've talked about this enough that I think that I've got a pretty good view on it. He thinks that by kicking the can down the road with Dustin Wolf, it and I understand where he's coming from by kicking the can down the road and delaying this decision, it ends up having the potential to disrupt the development of Dustin Wolf and disrupt mm-hmm. his path. And by not making a move this summer with Vladar and not opening up the space for Wolf, you risk maybe alienating him. Sure. Or you risk him not having the proper path or the proper development anymore because it, it seems pretty clear that he's ready for the NHL. I've I've been on the other side that you can't trade Vladar for nothing. You can't lose him on waivers. Dustin Wolf's time will come. 100%. But that's kind of the that's I'm kind of the, the the different conversations Wes and I have had. And can I also push back on on what you know Wes is uh, allegedly saying? Is uh, you know is allegedly. that is that? I mean, this is a team that's in win now mode. I know it's hard to believe that for fans who saw this team miss the playoffs last year, and few people around the National Hockey League consider them a contender at this point in time. They feel differently internally, and it's win now, and the window is there, and you don't challenge to win a division like they did two years ago, and I know it's a different team, but you don't challenge. You rarely become a contender with a rookie goalie on your roster, even if he's only playing 10 games. And if he's playing 10 or 20 games, that's not helping Dustin Wolf. So I'm 100% fine. This is exactly how I thought it would play out. Dan Vladar is not just a really good backup, in my opinion. Dan Vladar will be a starter in this league for several years moving forward, not here. And then we'll have to trade him at some point in the next you know, year, I would say, calendar year, he'll be gone. But right now was not the time. I just don't believe it. Plus, also, when they did do some preliminary feelers out there, it, well, he wasn't going to net them much at all. Well, so, because everybody knows they're in a jam. That's right. So what GM is going to give you a lot of value? When you do trade Vlar, what do you get for him? Because in my mind, it's a second rounder, and if you're lucky, a prospect. 
And you get I, that much or no? I don't even know if you get that much. No. You traded a third for him, and that's not a knock on Dan. I'm still a big booster of Ladar. Yeah. I think and his numbers got, weren't good last year. They weren't, and so. that's why maybe that's you fair. are starting this way because you might want his stock to be a little bit higher for a trade too. Mm-hmm. But I think you gave up a third for him. I think that's the minimum that you would oh, yeah. take in a trade back. If you could get a second, I think that would be ideal. I don't know if you're getting a second plus, though. No. No, I, I, that, that's, that's hopeful. That's that's their wishful thinking. But I, I think that a second is not beyond the realm of possibility. You know, and that's the other thing. This organization is, is as much as they're committed to Vladar staying here for now and for the next little while, if suddenly there's a a couple injuries or a significant injury somewhere around the league, um, then I think that they'd be happy to switch tax right away and trade Vladar if they knew the value was there. So it's unfortunate for Vladar. He may want to have his bag packed at all times, but uh, and I think he knows that. He he knows he's not long for Calgary, or he knows he's in a competition at the very very like he knows that he's got somebody uh, pushing and. He was that guy in Boston, mm-hmm. and he ended up being the one that was the odd man out. Yeah. So I guess for him, your motivation is see if I can make somebody else the odd man out. I don't know if yeah. that's going to happen because Wolf is a guy that the Flames drafted and have invested in. But yeah. do you think, uh, by the way, Florida sent Spencer Knight to the American League today. Yeah. So it's not like the, the Flames are the only team in this spot. Do you think while they have three goaltenders, they will find ways to get Wolf into NHL games. Oh, yeah. Because I absolutely. do believe they will. Oh, absolutely. I think somewhere between five and ten games, we're going to see Dustin Wolf. It's important for the organization to see that he's still in it, that he can be an NHL goalie. I think everyone's getting way so far ahead of themselves. Yeah, he's the best goalie on the planet right now that's not in the NHL, but it doesn't mean he's an NHL goaltender or an NHL star. We all think that that's going to happen, but I'll remind everybody he's like 155 pounds, or what is he, 165 listed? He's pretty. I believe. I believe he was like top two or three in body fat this year. Yeah. Uh, he is jacked, but he's not. Guy's uh, a machine, I, and he works harder than anybody. And no, I, I'm not taking anything away from Dustin Wolf. I'm is, saying, let's not forget why he was the third or fourth last pick of the draft. He's listed at 156. Think about that. So, and I see him. You see him in the dressing room, like when he's after he practice, and like 156. So, what does he really weigh? Right, because nobody's listed at what they really weigh. So was he really one forty seven, one forty eight? Like, there's I'm not sure there's been a goalie in the last twenty years in the National Hockey League that weighs something like that. So I, I'm just saying they need to see too that he can be a legitimate NHL goaltender. So those five or ten games are going to be very important for and him. And they're this also year. important to show him that yeah, we have a plan for you, yes. and, and we're not we're not just banishing you to another league. We you're part of this too, even though we can't carry three full time on the NHL roster. Hell, they 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 want to meet the salary cap and uh, not dive into LTIR. They might not be able to uh, ice just a regular roster period because they're so over the cap. Yeah, uh, they're going to have to almost certainly they're going to have to dip into LTI if they're going to want to be cap compliant and mm-hmm. have twenty two, twenty three on the roster when it's all said and done. Are we are we Osterley Gilbert? They're uh, they're for sure. Yeah, yeah. I think Osterley is uh, Osterley is um, impressed me. I will say that. I don't know if you feel the same way, but he's a damn good skater. A he's really, a really good, good skater. Does he remind you of Troy Stetcher? I uh, hadn't thought of that. 
That's the that's the comparison I keep on. Just using. bigger than Stetcher. He is a little. He's a little bit. But he's still undersized for the typical NHL defense. Yeah, I, I've been impressed with him, and I think he's going to grow on people. I think people are going to see this guy and really be impressed with how smooth he is. And I, he's been in the league for a lot of years, you know, up and down. And I think that uh, that he's going to seamlessly fit in as your sixth defenseman. And I like the fact that you're going to see Dennis Gilbert uh, at times for sure because they that moxie side. You know, when you have lineup. Think about when they go to Madison Square Garden this year. Remember what happened there last year? One of the greatest games I've ever seen in my life. Oh, that was a great game. Like great. Right. I don't even remember what the score was, but all the fights and the, the that was the it, hit on Kadri. Uh, yeah, Truba blew up Kadri. I forgot. Truba about blew that. up a couple people that yeah. night, and there were there were fights and guys standing up for each other and doing the right thing for their teammates, and it was as entertaining a game as I've seen in you know in a long time and guys talked about that for weeks afterwards. And I remember sitting in the bowels of Madison square garden, talking to guys the next day, the Vancouver Canucks were coming in and Cheech was like, that was one of the greatest games I've ever seen. And, and it was a great the game. Vancouver yep. people had watched it and they loved it. And it was, so when you go into New York, I think there's going to be some memory there and you're going to need, it's going to be one of the rare occasions where I think you're going to need a fighter in your lineup, you know, because that's going to happen sometimes. Yep. It doesn't happen much in the NHL, but you do need a nuclear deterrent every once in a while, and Gilbert's that guy now. Yep. Him and Zadorov, I think, are going to be counted on to do all that. Um, I apologize. We didn't get the story time today. No, that's fine. That's fine. There were lots of stories. Uh, we, had, we told stories earlier. I apologize from the bottom of my heart. Can I... Story time, I just want to... I kept calling her Danielle, mm-hmm. and I think... I, I, every time I said, I thought, "Oh, geez, am I supposed to call her your honor or the honorable?" No, or, I think like you I, called her the premier. I call I, I I just I get nervous talking to politicians, whether it doesn't matter who they are. What I would have called Mayor Gondek, Mayor, yeah. uh, Premier Smith. If it doesn't matter who the prime, if it was uh, Pierre Polyev or Justin Trudeau, and when I was interviewing them, I don't know why I ever would, but I'd call them mm, Prime Minister. I was uh, or Minister, yeah. I, I just don't, I don't do well with politics, and I don't do like no. What I mean by that, I don't do well with like real world things. Yeah, mature things. Mature things. Yeah, I get it. Like I politics, it. and I talk about sports. That's what I'm comfortable doing. Yeah, you're good at it. You're good at it. Depends who you ask. Yeah, I guess we'll look at the fee and fan <laughs> feedback line. But the I, I used to have when I was on Jack FM, Matt and I used to have Danielle on all the time, yeah. and we dubbed her the smartest person we know. And, and we would just have her on and she'd answer questions about like serious things and real life things that Matt and I knew nothing about. Right. And so I've always just, she's just Danielle to me. She was a columnist at the Herald that, you know, a really smart one. And now she's the premier. So I, I can't kind of get my mindset into calling her what I'm supposed to call her. So I, I apologize, um, Danielle. When you're, <laughs> when you're the premier, I'll call you Eric. <laughs> As you, uh, you will not get an official Whoa, title. Oh, what a world of hurt we'd be in if I was the premier. Uh, that was fun. That was good. Uh, next week, you uh, won't. We will not do a full Eric Francis hour because uh, you're heading off on the first road trip. They play the home opener and then they're on the road for five. So, well, we won't do a full Eric Francis hour next week, but we'll make sure we get some Francis time in. Yeah, I could call from the airport somewhere between here and Pittsburgh. 
Anyway, we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Thanks for having me, bud. Great uh, to see you. The Eric Francis Hour brought to you, uh, as always, by our friends at Horse Racing Alberta. Live thoroughbred racing back every Saturday and Sunday at Century Downs Racetrack and Casino. Post time, 1245. Visit thehorses.com. Must be 18 plus. Please play responsibly.